Welcome into the Grind Sports Podcast, where we take an in-depth look at the hard work it takes to be successful. So whether you're a professional bull rider or a broadcaster, there's a daily grind that takes place in order to be successful. In this episode, I have a conversation with John Fanta, a play-by-play broadcaster for Fox, as well as an on-air personality for the Big East Digital Network. This conversation was fantastic, and it's one that I know that you're going to enjoy. Well, sitting down with John Fanta, he's the Fox College Hoops play-by-play broadcaster and on-air personality with the Big East Digital Network. I'm really excited to have you on. John, welcome to the show. Kyle, great to be with you tonight. Uh, Love being on the Grind podcast here as we dive in here a little bit. Thanks for having me. Oh, it, it, I, I really can't wait to talk to you because one, you're in the big East. So you already are, you know, around a lot of talented college basketball and being able to kind of have that play by play broadcaster for one, that's a phenomenal trait and, and ability to have, uh, but you always connect with people. So my first question is, John, how did you get your start in sports broadcasting? Well, growing up on the west side of Cleveland, Ohio, it's a lifestyle. You grow up with the Browns, Indians, and Cavs. And football season's the biggest example because Friday night you got your local high school. Saturday you got Ohio State, other college football. And then some of the, the private schools play in the high school level in the state of Ohio. And then on Sunday, it's a Cleveland Brown Sunday. I mean, that takes up the full Sunday, the game might be one to four, but the tailgating's in the morning, the therapy sessions after losses more times (laughs) than not come after. So when you grow up there, it's life. And I'm a proud Cleveland sports fan. And I grew up with some great voices, Tom Hamilton, the play-by-play voice, the Indians, Joe Tate on the radio with the Cavs and John Michael's done a great job now at the TV level, Fred McLeod. um, Oh man, Fred McLeod. I, I almost, I, I almost got to interview him. One of my uh, old professors, uh, he knew him personally. He worked with him, I want to say in like Detroit or Phoenix. Uh, in, he knew him really well. Tried to get us connected. We emailed back and forth, but timing just didn't work out because the Cavs decided to go win the championship that year. So, like, I mean, it was one of those where I had to get over it. But Cleveland – Ohio. Okay. So, so talk to me about growing up, you know, in Cleveland, Ohio, you're, you're a lover of sports. You can hear it in your voice, but when did you decide to go into the broadcasting side and really talk about sports? Yeah. So, I mean, I remember watching games with, with those voices. I forgot to be remiss and not say Jim Donovan, the radio voice, the Browns. And when you grow up with those voices, I remember saying to myself at an early age, man, it would be really cool to do what they're doing. Sometimes I turn down a part of a game and start calling it myself just in my family room or living room. And I sounded crazy. I'm sure. And my parents, uh, I'm sure they thought it was fun and amusing, but uh, I'm sure it got a little bit annoying for them, but that's just how I was from an early age, Kyle. I, I would, I would love to talk with adults about sports. Um, I would, Maybe if there was a party or something going on and, and I was maybe supposed to be 
with the other kids that were my age, I would love to hear some guy's take on the Browns quarterback situation. You know, one of my parents' friends, like that's just how I was. So getting involved with it really happened at St. Ignatius high school in Cleveland, a Jesuit high school right in Ohio city. And after my freshman year of football, I came home from school right after school a day. And my dad said to me that night, he goes, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I, I, football season's over. I'm coming home. I'm relaxing. He goes, high school's not the time to relax. You need to find some sort of a group to get involved in. You can't just be a football player. And I wasn't a very good football player either. So I had to find something that maybe helped my strengths. And I found this, this broadcasting network at Ignatius. There were about six, seven kids in it at the time and joined that and started out as a cameraman behind the scenes. And if there's anything that's an example of how this industry is luck and how broadcasting can be just uh, opportunity knocking, there's no rhyme or reason to when your number may get called, your name may get called. I was a cameraman on a junior varsity basketball broadcast as a freshman. And at the half, at halftime of the game, the play-by-play -play guy at the time said he didn't want to do it anymore, <laughs> which is shocking. Um, but he wanted to get into student government, and he told the broadcasting moderator that he wasn't that interested. And our club moderator, they needed someone to call the game. And they asked me if I'd be willing to do it. I got right off that camera. I said, yes. I didn't know a whole lot about either team, but just, just took on the opportunity. And little did I know that that broadcast wrapped, and they said, you're the guy now on JV. And then I eventually got to varsity. I, I hung up the cleats after my sophomore more year of football and was able to become the play-by-play -play voice of the football team at Ignatius and call the state championship season culminating with a title game at Fawcett Stadium, uh, the home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it's those moments in high school that I just, I remember walking out of those stadiums and wherever it was, no matter the game, and just thinking, man, this is really, really, really cool. And I'd love to take this forward in college. And then was fortunate enough to get to Seton Hall University and be near the metropolitan area where the opportunities came. And that's a place that's near and dear to my heart for what they allowed me to do in college. That's incredible. I mean, talk about next man up mentality. And just uh, last week we talked with uh, Jeff Knight, who's a radio producer, and he really just hit me. He said, when preparation meets opportunity and, yeah. and and that's i mean that's it in action i mean that's so cool whether you're prepared or not but being able to meet that opportunity and step up to it uh that that's incredible that's awesome so was it you know always your dream to do broadcasting since you know that high school area and when i say was it always your dream how far did you immediately imagine that you were going to take it well, I, I did, I thought that I could take it far. I thought that this, this was, this was my dream to get, to get on the air, to do something, but you don't know what it's going to entail. And you, you really, you don't know until you start to just jump into it. So like at Seton Hall, we talk about the window of opportunity. This is magical, Kyle. I, I was supposed to be a cameraman for a soccer broadcast a women's soccer game that got postponed a day due to lightning. And the next day they didn't have anybody to call the game because it conflicted with people's schedules. 
And then I ended up calling that game. And, and I remember before that, I was like, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm not really getting on the air here at Seton Hall. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't necessarily the right choice, or I don't know. I'm th- you know, you second guess yourself. You go through that when you maybe first get into college because you want everything to happen immediately. But it took some, some grinding. And it took some long nights and it took some behind the scenes work that then when they had an opening for an on-air spot, they awarded it to me. And I did that soccer game and I remember getting done with it. And somebody, one of the administrators at Seton Hall came up to me, Jimmy O'Donnell, who's a legend. And he said, when are you on again? Because I'd like to listen to it. <laughs> and awesome. I remember someone saying to me, you know, when, when Jimmy says that, it says it all. So I, getting through that and then just opening up opportunities and traveling over half the country covering events at my school. And really when you're covering those events, you're covering them with not only the student athletes, but they're your peers uh, at Seton Hall. I, I, I never, I never knew, okay, this is where I'm going to be at 24. And that's my biggest <laughs> advice to people is I, I just got asked over the weekend, what's my five-year plan? Kyle, I'm trying to get through the next five minutes, you know, in the next five days and next five hours, whatever you want to say. Like, it may not always go according to plan for better or for worse. But if you just trust in your ability and you're a good person, and that's even more important than how talented you are, are you someone that's enjoyable to work with? I've always tried to just take that approach and understand that the process is what it is control the controllables and good things will happen. So I, from an early age, how far did I want to take it? I want to take it as far as it possibly can go. This is what I want to do for my life. Uh, I, it's, it is my life and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. I, I love calling games. I love talking with players and coaches because they all have stories and they're people too. And to get a chance and to get the privilege to tell those stories for Fox Sports and uh, for the Big East Conference is something that I never take for granted. That's incredible. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to uh, the work ethic, the drive, the passion. And I love that it's something that is you. Uh, like you said, like this is your dream and it, it is a part of you. And you can tell just by your voice uh, and the way that you talk about it. And I love that because I believe – that if more people understood whether they want to do broadcasting or radio or whether they want to be a nurse or a cameraman or a, you know, a garbage man, it doesn't matter what your dream might be, but if it has to become less about what you want and more about who you want to become. And I love that about the way that you talk about this dream. So I want to know though, because everybody, kind of has those different opportunities, uh, you know, at different times. And sometimes they miss out and sometimes they get those opportunities again. Um, You know, your current position, how did you get into that from college? I mean, what are some of the connections that you made? Yeah. So at Seton Hall, this is another thing where timing is everything. My freshman year at Seton Hall was the first year of the newly reconfigured Big East. So the Big East, when they lost UConn, who's coming back uh, July 1 of this year, 2020, but UConn, Louisville, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, 
these big brand names and you're thinking to yourself, how is the Big East going to survive? Well, my freshman year, I never really was a part of the old league in terms of covering it. Um, my freshman year was the first year of the new Big East. And while the Big East kept its name, it was totally different, not only with the 10 teams, Seton Hall, St. John's, Providence, Villanova, Georgetown, Xavier Butler, Marquette, DePaul, and Creighton. They, they literally had to start a new office, start from the bottom up. It had the name the Big East, but they were a completely new business. The only thing that stuck was the name. They didn't have any broadcasting network. They didn't have any on-air personalities. They had to go out and find those people. And when you're just starting up, you're trying to figure out your budget. You're trying to figure out your constraints, all those different things. So the first year of the new league had wrapped. Uh, from what I understand, they had brought in a lot of outside production help and all, all those types of things until they finally kind of got on their feet and brought in people from within that could start a broadcasting network, that could start bringing some talent in. And my freshman year of Seton Hall wraps, and I had done a bunch of things with Seton Hall. And one of the great opportunities I had was to go out to the Big East Women's Basketball Tournament and covered Seton Hall in that tournament because it was at that tournament that the Big East noticed me. They noticed me asking questions. There weren't a lot of people covering women's basketball, and they appreciated the fact that, that I was and that I took a lot of interest in it. And sometimes it doesn't matter what you're covering, but availability is key and passion is key. And they understood that I was passionate about it. So I hit my sophomore year, and I was a couple weeks into school and got an email from someone at the Big East that said, hi, you know, hey, John, we would love to talk with you uh, and meet with you in New York City. And I went into their offices, which were at Times Square. Wow. Could not believe walking in. I was thinking to myself, wow, this is like I'm just a 19-year-old kid, and I'm walking into this, this huge skyscraper. Um, the, the Big East offices were at uh, Proskauer, uh, which is also where Microsoft is, right around that building, right, right in Times Square. I mean, it's right in the heart of Times Square. And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm a kid from the west side of Cleveland, and I'm going up to the 21st floor. And sitting down with the Big East, you know, I remember having a couple of sit-down meetings over the course of an hour. And by the end of that hour, I was going to start helping them with some interviews and some hits that I'd send to them digitally and some weekend previews. And that was the start of it. That was the start of our relationship. And I, I did things here and there as a student. I didn't have a lot of time to do it because I was also going to class, but I, I did whatever I could and put suggestions out there and tried to grind. And, you know, without that time, I, I don't know where I'd be today because it's how I developed. It's all about reps. And when I think about where I was doing reports about five, six years ago to where I am now, that's a credit to the Big East for giving me the opportunity and giving me advice on how to grow. And so, well, as, go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think it's important for all of us to get those reps, uh, especially when it's uh, broadcasting. It's hard to get those opportunities, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, radio or, or especially on TV you had some really good opportunities, uh, but what were some of the other things that you did like behind the scenes, the, the, you know, the reps that you maybe laugh at now and say, wow, I actually did that, but it helped. <laughs> like, what were some of those things? Yeah. I mean, doing a preview for a cross country meet or doing tennis interviews, you know, I didn't know anything about those sports, but I just did it. 
And then I edited a lot of interviews. It wasn't just the talent side. And that's the biggest advice I have to people is you have to be willing to do a little bit of everything. If you're trying to just get into this, you've got to be willing to not only go on camera, but I was cutting my videos, still cut a lot of videos. I'm not a heavy, you know, After Effects editor or, or a master of Adobe Premiere Pro, but I do, you do what you can. You just got to be willing to learn. I'm not Mr. Technology, but I try to put things together. So I would put together my own weekly show for the Seton Hall Athletic Department. And some of the segments on it were crazy. Uh, <laughs> I was learning dugout dances from softball and interviewing people on a golf cart on campus. Uh, so those types of things, you know, that just were silly thinking back to it. But yeah, doing a lot of editing, shooting stuff, practices, and getting there an hour early just to be there. But on top of that, Kyle, I interned with Westwood One Radio and did uh, production stuff with them. I interned with CNBC. I didn't know anything about finance news, but I tried to sit in a newsroom for a semester. And you know what? Sometimes you take an internship to find out what you love and what you don't necessarily love. And I, that confirmed to me that I wanted to do sports, but it was nice to get involved at CNBC. And then my biggest thing was after my junior year of college, I took an internship with Fox Sports. And I interned there for three months. The first month I lived in a hostel. And across the way from me in the hostel was a 60 year old man named George from Africa. Um, you just never know the people you're gonna encounter. But I took the internship. I, I'm a kid in college, I don't have a ton of money. I paid for rent for that month. I ended up moving in with a friend in the final two months um, that I, had through high school back in Cleveland and that that friend then lived out in Los Angeles but the point was sometimes you say yes you don't know what the end result is going to be but you know that if you say yes there's going to be something good because it is what you make of it and taking that internship out at Fox really allowed me to be independent even though college allowed that because I went to New Jersey and I grew up in Cleveland that internship at Fox I think helped it really helped me build the relationship I have with them and that I have with them today because I got on their radar. So that then after college, when I sent them some of my tapes and when I, when the big East vouched for me because the big East games are on Fox sports that told them everything they needed to know. And that's, that's why I now stand as someone who does games for them. That's incredible. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. Uh, Every, every aspect of that, I literally have goosebumps just listening to your story because that is the motivation and the drive meeting the passion and the dream. And that's such a, I don't want to say it's a rare thing. It's, I feel like a lot of uh, the younger generation and my generation even, and I'm, I'm 30 and I think there is a lot in between from 20 to 30 where a lot of kids are afraid of starting and then they, or they are afraid of getting involved in something and then finding out it's not what they want to do. And they feel like they wasted time or they missed out on something else. But you said like the CNN being, or being able to not CNN, CNNBC, being able to sit in on, on something like finance in a newsroom, uh, it only confirmed, it only helped your drive and your passion. Uh, and that's, that's incredible. It's important for all those who are listening. This is why it's important to try things and say yes. 
even if you don't know the outcome. I love the that. Only, the only time in which you're wasting time, Kyle, is by placing the thought in your head that you might be wasting time. See, I love that. I mean, that's, that's perfect to be able to have that mentality and understand that you, if you're moving forward, you're moving forward. Like part of the reason is that, that people get stopped up is because they just stop. And I love that keeping moving forward. So you are somebody who has connections. You, you have made your network and you've built it for, for years now. Uh, one of the things I did notice uh, is that you were ranked in the STAA college sportscaster national rankings. And, you know, talk to me a little bit about the process because you're a young guy who, you know, was in college and all of a sudden you, all these reps are coming your way. And so you're taking the opportunities and you're making the most of it. But talk to me about how in the world did you get to the point of being ranked in the top 10 in the nation? Well, look, those rankings, it's an honor. It's a, it's a privilege to get into the same conversation with some of those other guys that are in those rankings that I, I respect, have a great amount of respect for their work. But what it was, Kyle, was I think it was the versatility that was the key to everything because I could do play-by-play, but I could also interview a student athlete. I could host a show or do a sit-down conversation with a coach. And I think that that's why – STAA, at least that's my thinking, is they like the fact that while at college, I was willing to do a little bit of anything and everything. I'll be the first to say it. I do not have uh, the classic play-by-play voice. I might not have the classic play-by-play look either. But I just try to be the best version of myself that I can be. And that ranking is an honor. But that ranking, as great as it is to achieve it, is in no way an indicator of where you will or won't go in your career. There's been people who haven't been ranked that now have tremendous jobs. So I would, I would say you never get discouraged by wherever, whatever the number is or whatever people might think of you or don't think of you. This is a subjective industry. Sports broadcasting is subjective. I'd be lying to you if I told you I, I don't get criticized at times. We all do. Criticism's good. You should always have an ear open to it because it might help you get better. It's the people who take it and say, oh, I, don't, I don't need to listen to that. I'm going to keep being me or I'm going to keep doing the same thing I've been doing. What is there to gain out of that? Um, it, it's, a lot of times it's how you respond. So to get right number nine was tremendous. It was a great way to cap off college. And it was a collection of not only the work and of the opportunities, but the people that were willing to talk with me, the coaches that were willing to have me in on their practice, the media relations people who help us with stories. Because if you cover college athletics, you have to go through that department. Without those stories, without that research, without the opportunity to come to to a practice, you're only as good as your interview subject as your players, as your coaches, as the people around you, as the producer of the game, as a camera opera, as a camera operator, all those things 
you know, a broadcast is a team effort. It's kind of like you're playing the game. And so the long form answer to this is it was an honor to be ranked number nine, but more than anything, it's a tribute to the people around me and it's very rewarding. But I, I look at that and, and I say to myself, it's an honor to be number nine. It's great to be in the top 10. How can I continue to be at my very best to be number one? Well, it's definitely one of those things too, where I look at it and I think that it culminates your hard work. But the one thing I love about this is the fact that there's, it's not just a, Oh, I'm, I'm top nine. I should, you know, I'm top 10. I should be able to pull, you know, this job or I should be able to do this. There is so much behind your drive that it's, I mean, there's a hunger and a a passion and a humility. And and I, I, I think that that's, I don't want to say rare, but I, I don't always get that from people. And one of the reasons why I even, you know, got connected with you was we actually worked on something uh, back at, when I was in school. I did a, the Big East field hockey tournament. You did the halftime and, and I, you said it was taped, uh, the halftime kind of set. But ever since that moment, I, I started following you on Twitter and I saw the stuff you did. And you have this ability to connect with people and so you you might not have the the look or or the play-by-play voice but the one thing that I've always felt in watching anything that you've broadcasted is you and I could have a conversation like we are right now and it would not feel as if you're a stranger it feels like I've known you and that in broadcasting and in sports is so incredible I mean I've I've talked about Tony Romo on on this podcast before because of his connectivity like he just connects with you he does he keeps it real he's tony the quarterback he's (laughs) he's tony it's that's what's so great about him it's it's genuine and i think that that's the approach that i try to take on the air because you can only be there's only one you not to sound fluffy or not to sound lovey-dovey, but they're really, there's only one you. And people will say to me sometimes, oh, you know, you're trying to be the next Jim Nance or you're trying to be the next whatever. It's very flattering to hear those things. There's only one Jim Nance. There's only one Al Michaels. There's only one Joe Buck. And they are outstanding at what they do. If I could be even a percent of what those gentlemen have been, then something's going right. But for me, it's, to be the best John Fanta. It's just, it's just to be the best version of myself that I can be. And I believe, because here's the thing, Kyle, when we're watching sports, we, we're all fans, whether we're on the air or off the air. We all love the game we're calling, love the game we're watching, love the game we're playing if you play it. And so when I call a game, I think to myself, for the players out on that court, or for the players out on that field, this is their most important thing on their mind at the moment. They're trying to win. And it takes a level, no matter what you're competing in, to win a game. For me, I want to paint that picture. It's the most important game in their mind. It better be the most important game in my mind. And that goes back to a big thing in, our, in, in my career that I try to say to myself. Don't worry about 
what's coming down the road or a future opportunity or what's out there or what's at the end of the road. Just enjoy the moment and relish the moment and do your very best job in the moment on whatever game it is you're doing and everything else will take care of itself. I 100% agree with that. That's, that's the, why I believe people need to hear this type of stuff. They need to be uh, encouraged to know maybe they've hit a bad, you know, a rough patch. Maybe they missed out on an opportunity and they feel like their opportunities are all dried up. Uh, this right here, enjoy the moments because you never know when it's your last. You never know, you know, what game is going to be, you know, the last of the season, or maybe they go in a different direction. And so you just enjoy every one of those moments. And then you do it to the best of your ability. And, and you said something earlier too about being somebody who is fun to work with, who's good to work with. Uh, you know, what are some of the helpful tips that you could give young people who are starting out or even old people who have been in the business who need a refresher uh, about some of the business sides of things of, of how you really be a good play-by-play uh, -play broadcaster personality and what that looks like to you. Yeah. What that looks like is you're a storyteller and what makes a good story details and that's not just knowing that a player averages 16 and a half points per game. That means making the most of any opportunity you have, whether it's covering a game, whether you're on the air or not, if you're doing interviews after, if you're fortunate enough to get a press credential, going to that event, talking with players and coaches after the game, talking with people that might be around the team, if it's the media relations contact, building a good rapport with them because they might have stories for you that you couldn't otherwise get. So what this comes down to for me is it's all about relationships. And I've been able to develop those with the Big East and with Fox Sports to a point that those coaches and players trust me. They trust that what they tell me, I'm going to make sure if it does get aired and they approve of it getting aired, that I say something that is appropriate uh, for air or for broadcast. So good preparation that comes down to not just building your board. And I, I've, I've got broadcast boards uh, that I've used. In fact, any of your listeners that are interested in this stuff, happy to pass those along as a template because if, if you're not sharing, I don't know what you're doing. That's, that's what it's all about. Uh, but not just uh, knowing what a player's statistics are or, or knowing what a coach's resume is, but knowing how a coach got there. Knowing how a player, knowing that a player had a tough upbringing uh, at some point or had a broken leg they had to battle back from. Those types of stories paint that blank canvas that when you start out a game, you've got to paint for your viewer to fully understand the magnitude of what you're talking about. It's, I, I love this conversation so much. And I, I know I want to rabbit hole this so bad because I have so many other uh, minor questions about different game scenarios and things. Yeah, but that all <laughs> but <laughs> I'm gonna stay focused because I, I do think that there is an aspect of what you just said being able to paint the picture. I think there is an aspect that when I watch uh, sports 
there, there is a lot of, I would say there are a lot more um, broadcasters today that tend to sometimes overpaint, whether they have a lot of information or they've done this for a really long time. So they know all these players to the nth degree. So they're saying something for the hundredth time rather than the first or, you know, second time. Uh, I'm how, guilty of that. How, how do you, how do you uh, balance that? How do you get past kind of the, the drag of maybe you're covering the same team for an entire season and by the last game, there's a little bit less uh, oomph to it, if you know what I mean. Great point. That's a great point, Kyle. And I think sometimes I do find myself repeating uh, on a broadcast, and that's something I've got to work on. Far from perfect have a lot of things to get better at, and that's one of them. And so I think we call emptying the barrel. Like if you don't have to talk about every single point that you get, you might get a great story for a broadcast, but don't just say it to say it. Tie it along. Maybe you'll have a story that you don't use till game 15, but you got it before game two. That's okay. You've got to economize what you say and don't say. So it's something I'm always working on. Uh, I've made that mistake. Mistakes happen. Mistakes happen. It's how you respond. And it's a willingness to get better that matters in broadcasting. Are you committed to getting better at your craft? Or are you going to say, I'm the best one there is, and I'm just going to do me? Uh, I think it's so important to have the former. So that's something that it's tough to avoid. It's tough to avoid. But by the same token, I'd rather insert too much information and maybe say a little bit too much and come off as if oh, he, he shouldn't have said it a hundred times than to say it no times at all and to not do the preparation for a show. So in emptying the barrel, because that, that's, a, that's a term I haven't heard, but I like it a lot because it, it's a perfect example of just dumping all your information. And I'm guilty of that. I remember one of my first broadcasts I was doing, um, it was like second or third broadcast I did. I was doing uh, lacrosse. Um, and I had a lot of really good stories. I had prepped well. And in the first half, I used every single one of them. And I found myself in the second half kind of repeating them because I had nothing else. Um, what are some of the things that you like back up? Like, what are some of the things where you just know from experience that, let's say, you know, your main story, that player's benched or doesn't play or is injured or something like that what are some of the things that you might prepare for like as a backup story well you you want to try to get some context so sometimes what I'll have ready is if a coach ever recruited a player from the opposing team or like on Sunday I had a game between Providence and Xavier and the Providence coach had actually scouted a game that the Xavier coach played in Melanie Moore had played for Siena, and when Jim Crowley, the Providence coach, was at St. Bonaventure, St. Bonaventure played Siena, and Jim Crowley had Melanie Moore on his scout. <laughs> so that's like that's a really interesting story. Sometimes, you talk, yeah, go ahead. That's incredible, though. Like that's one of those where, like, okay, for for those who are listening, like, how would you connect those? Like, in in your conversations and in your interviews and in your collecting of information, how, how did you get that information? Like tie us together. Well, going to shoot arounds and 
Mel happened to be a first-year head coach. This coach happened to be a first-year head coach. And so uh, the Providence coach was a third-year head coach. But when you've got someone that's brand new to the conference, or if they've been around a long time, you'll ask and you'll say, hey, how do you know them? Or, or have you ever interacted with them before? And if they say no, that's fine. But because the basketball community, as seen through the news of the last 24, 36 hours of Kobe Bryant's passing, it's so interconnected. It's such, a, it's such a family. And I think we see that no matter what industry you're in. So asking that question of, do you know them? Or have you, do you have any stories? Sometimes just asking, do you have a story about him? Uh, this year, I, I'm calling Big East Women's Basketball for Fox. And Harry Peretta is in his final season as the head coach at Villanova. And Kyle, to paint a little perspective, talk about somebody who's grinded. This guy took the job at Villanova when he was 22 years old was given a check for $5,000 and has coached at Villanova for 42 years. Wow. And is finally retiring. But there's so many stories about him through the years. So finding out about personality, finding out about a person's family. Like you said, that end of the bench player. Yesterday we told a story about a Providence player who's been hurt all year, but has actually been one of the team's leaders. And we explained how she's leading. Uh, you get those from going to shoot around, going to practices. And shoot around is when the team – takes an hour, the day of the game or the night before the game, if, if the game is the next day and it's early, they'd go through, they take shots for an hour, they run the other team's plays and try to scout for them the best they can. They work on what they're going to do to defend their opponent, all those things and shoot around that then translate to the game. And we attend that to see how a team's game planning for the other. And then we typically grab a player or two and the head coach after or before the shoot around working with their media relations person. And then it's through that that we get those stories and kind of get that barrel, if you will, full of stories that we may or may not use. But if the barrel's full, then it's going to turn out to be a good telecast because in the case where we have a big injury or we've got a delay for whatever reason, we can fill because we've done our homework. That's awesome. Those are, those are the tips for those of you who are listening, those are the things that you can be working on today. So let's say you're a student who is just getting into uh, you know, the college, the university uh, radio production, or maybe you're you know, able to be a part of a college that has a sports network and they're broadcasting their sports, D1, D2, D3. These are things that you can go do. Talk to the SID. Talk to the sports information department. Talk to them about, you know, these type of things, getting into shoot-arounds, uh, being able to talk with coaches, interviewing. Uh, and even when it comes to other sports, one of the things that I was able to do was I did club sports. Uh, and I covered club sports because, let's face it, you don't have to go through the SID. So I could message, you know, the coach of, you know, a lacrosse team or a hockey team, and I could say, hey, uh, I want to interview one of your guys and do a story. Those were practice things that I did to get reps and to be able to kind of do things, even though I didn't have, you know, I didn't have to go through those credentials. But those are areas that can base your growth as well as get you better at storytelling. And, and I love that about you connecting those stories and being able to get there. That's extremely valuable. Thank you for sharing that, John. That's awesome. 1000%. That's what it's all about. And, 
And if there's any of your listeners who, who want to talk sometime or whatnot, you've got my information, Kyle, and, and I'm happy to. Well, I will definitely be, uh, be spreading this all throughout social media. And I know uh, just off the top of my head, I know a couple of guys who uh, I've followed their careers. They were freshmen when I was uh, senior and they've, they've developed. And so there, there are a few of them that I'm going to, I'm going to get them, you know, your Twitter and tell them, Hey, this is, this is one you don't want to miss. And this is somebody you might reach out to because uh, one of the guys I know, Jason Prill, he is from the Cleveland area. So he would connect with you immediately on all things Cleveland sports, <laughs> uh, because I can't tell you how many times that he would walk into class on a Monday with his head down low, just struggling to get through the day because, well, let's face it, the Cleveland Browns were pretty bad for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, he he's a fan, and I love that about him. So I'll, he's one that you'll have to uh, – I'll see if he'll, he'll reach out because a lot of these guys that I've met, and, and much like you, John, my whole thing is – how can I just inspire people to move forward on their dreams? It doesn't matter if it's broadcasting. I, I'm, I'm, I just want you to understand whether you are, you know, wanting to be an astronaut or if you want to be in radio or if you want, you know, to be an architect. I, I don't mind whatever your dream is as long as you have the passion and the drive because a lot of this stuff is transversal. You can look at Okay, so how do you network? Well, you get involved in something and you start doing something and move forward with it with that passion and drive and do what you can with what you have where you are. And right. so that's, that's incredible that uh, I, I really appreciate uh, some of those stories. We're going to do a quick rapid fire segment. And I love these rapid fire segments because uh, let's face it, nowadays there is Twitter and Instagram and now TikTok, which is quite fun. I might even look at getting onto TikTok because let's face it, it's growing rapidly, uh, but everything is bite-sized. And I find that you can learn a lot about somebody if you ask them quick, easy questions about their personality or about things that they like. So John, uh, just say the first thing that comes to your mind or uh, the first choice if it's a A and B. So first question is going to be chocolate or vanilla. I got to go chocolate. You know, I'm, I just think chocolate's bolder. I'm a chocolate guy when it comes down to choosing that. Okay. Uh, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? So to a fault, my doctor wouldn't like to hear it, but dinner. I love <laughs> going out for a great Italian dinner. <laughs> okay. So Italian is like your, your favorite? Like Italian that's your... is my favorite. There's so many places to pick in New York and New Jersey. Soralina and Hoboken, Augustino's. Uh, I'm a sucker for Carmine's. I know it's touristy <laughs> in New York, but you can't go wrong. What What's your favorite Italian dish then? I love like a veal piccata. So I love a veal piccata or veal frances. I actually am not a huge red sauce guy. I love a lighter sauce. Man, we could have so many conversations about just food. On chocolate versus vanilla. It better come with hot fudge. <laughs> well, all right. So hot fudge, chocolate, and you're a dinner guy. Um, what is what song have you listened to the most in the last week? We're talking what's been on repeat. Oh man, it's a really interesting question. I love Billy Joel, so it's a lot of Joel on my playlist. Um, you know, I love 
I love seeing the lights go out on Broadway. You know, I, I love that. Um, to get in the mood for a broadcast sometimes for a game on my Uber ride over, I'll listen to one shiny moment uh, because it's the best and it's college hoops and it just says it all. That's awesome. That's incredible. Right there. That tells you a lot right there. It tells me that you are a guy who you like the big hitting, you know, the, this is, this is the song. This is what we're doing. It's what we're doing, man. <laughs> I love it. If you could only watch one movie this whole year in 2020, what movie would it be? If I could watch one movie. If I only had to watch one movie, and if I only got to watch one, I would, I would watch Shawshank Redemption because it never fails. I just love that movie. I, man, I, I like, I like your style. So some Morgan Freeman. Yep. Yep. I got to go with that. All right. Uh, last question. What was the last show that you binged? Billions on Showtime. Good, good show. Good show. Really good show. Man. Okay. Level tough. Okay. I so I don't know a lot of people who've watched it. So people, if you're listening in uh, and you don't know about Billions, um it's a phenomenal show um it it just there's no way to really describe it so you're gonna have to look it up what john what is your like what got you into that show so i had heard a lot about it i heard that it was really good from a neighbor they just they said you gotta watch this show and then i got pulled in i just love the characters in that i love the development of characters between chuck and wendy rhodes and Bobby Axelrod. I'm actually only in season two. I'm about six, seven episodes into season two. So I got I to gotta keep rolling with it. I might actually watch one or two tonight. But yeah, I just, I fell in love with the style of it, the character development. It's high level stuff. That's, that's one of the things I, I love about it as well. Uh, there, there are a lot of uh, shows that I feel like everybody connects with different because everybody's different. So their personalities are a little different and they connect with different characters. And some shows don't have the characters that connect with them. Right. Uh, and, and I do like the fact that billions has, I feel like it has almost everything, uh, you know, a character for everyone. Almost, almost probably. I'd say you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right in saying that. All right. So this is, this is the final question that I always ask everybody. Um, and it, it's a three part question. And we're at the beginning of a new decade in 2020, uh, beginning of a new year. And so I always ask, what are your goals? How will you get there? And what inspires you? So we're going to start off with what are your goals? And, and we can keep this just for what are your goals for 2020, for this year? My goal for 2020 is to get better every day at this. And, and it's not easy. Uh, calling games and, and, and doing those types of things. But uh, my goal is to continually seek out ways where I can grow my portfolio and continue to get more work um, to potentially expand the horizon a little bit and work for some different outlets. I did some NBA TV last month for the G League showcase out in Las Vegas and had a, an amazing time doing sidelines and doing some play-by-play. Um, and doing sidelines for ESPN news a little bit. So that was, a, it was a joy to do some of that, but to continually expand the horizon, continue to be a yes man, 
just just be willing to to do whatever it takes to get better and continue to grow the relationships and cultivate those sometimes uh when when you're stuck in the grind or when you're when you're in that all that work and you're doing all that stuff you forget the process you forget the people who help get you there so remembering those people remembering to reach out to them not always have them reach out to me but vice versa and deliver uh and pay it forward you know uh look at the like i had a couple of local high school kids to a seton hall game last week that i was covering and, and kind of showed them the ropes a little bit and the reason why it's important to do that or help someone who might want to get into this is because you would want them to do the same for you if you were in that situation. So recognizing when you can be of help to someone, it's key. And so that's my goal. My goal is just to continue to get better, expand the workload uh, where the opportunities present themselves and appreciate this process while also passing along anything I can to someone who's trying to get and move forward. Well, I, I like that. And I can tell that, I mean, for one, I, that's one of the reasons why I'm so appreciative of you coming on the show, because you've given us so much, uh, so many great tips, but also practical things that the behind the scenes stuff that we don't see, because we usually as fans who are watching a broadcast, you know, this guy will say, oh, you know, this player is shooting, you know, 40% from three point line through the first three games and this and this and this, but we don't see how they got that information. We think that they're just reading from, you know, a stat sheet that they got. Uh, right. But sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes they talk to a coach and the coach is like, no, 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 this guy, he's shooting 40%, but he should be shooting 50% or he should be shooting 60% uh, based on what we see in practice. And, and so the game time, that's what we're trying to get them those shots. Um, but that's, that's the behind the scenes look. Uh, so I, I can't thank you enough on that. Uh, and you kind of told us how you're going to get there with your goals and being better. So I'm going to ask what inspires you? Like, what is the driving force behind everything that inspires you to get better? It's a great question. Uh, my grandpa is an inspiration because I talked with him on the phone night after night growing up. And when you talk with your best friend growing up and he's still around, God bless him. He's 88 years old. But when he's teaching you and talking to you about sports and you get to hear someone's wisdom like that and him telling you about the game or telling you what he thinks, that's part of where everything came from, where my love for it came from. So he inspires me. And just the pure emotion of sport and the power of sport and the fact that someone can play a small role in that, that inspires me. It inspires me every day. It inspires me every time we go on the air because I'm not athletic enough to play the game, uh, nor would I want anybody to see me attempt to. <laughs> but if there's a way for me to play the game, and this is the privilege and honor that we get to tell those stories, that is something that I never take for granted. And that inspires me, that idea of the opportunity and the idea that we can cover athletes who might win or lose, but are champions in whatever they're trying to do. And so it's that idea of, you know, the, the dream, the dream inspires me, the dream of hosting selection Sunday one day, 
the dream of calling a big NFL game someday. I think it's all possible. Uh, I think we sometimes get lost in the process. I think it's important to refocus and recognize what you've done thus far, where you are today, and what you need to do to get there while also relishing the process. So all those things themselves inspire me to get better at this every single day while also being the best person I can be. I, I love it. I mean, that, that's, I can't wait to watch you at that level because I can't wait to watch you at the level you're at now. And I know that as you grow, uh, the people who watch you are going to cheer you on just as much. And, and so I, I want to know if you have any last tips. And then I'm, I also want to know how people can see your work. So uh, I usually let people shout out social media, you know, whatever network they're on when their games usually air or how they can watch them. Uh, because I think it's important that people understand that hard work pays off when you're doing what you love. And, and so what are some of the tips though, that if you had, you know, just a, you know, a minute or so to tell your younger self or to tell the younger generation, what are some of the things that you would tell them to do today? Recognize that, there's room on the air for everybody. It's very competitive. There's a lot of different opportunities. You might get one, you might miss out on the next one. But don't let that cause you to either drop your level of broadcasting or cause you to treat someone differently because they got the opportunity or because you didn't get the opportunity. You know, don't treat that person out of spite. Treat that person the way that you would have otherwise. And it's to be a better person off the air than you are on it. You're probably very, very talented. And there's a lot of talented people out there. But by the same token, nobody wants to work with a jerk. Nobody wants to work with someone that is entitled. And that's why it's really important uh, for you to understand everybody out there, you know, while we might be competing against someone, and I talk with people in the industry that are my age, we're all going for similar gigs at times, we're all doing that, there's room for everybody. And balancing things off one another and trying to help everybody get better, it sounds cliche, but it's the truth. It's important to have a realization and an awareness of where you are and of how you could be helpful to somebody else in this. So my advice to it would be, Take a step back from that competition. Appreciate where you are. Do what you can to get better. Seek out critique and be willing to take critique. You know, Kyle, I think we're, we're in a world where we feel like we can't tell anybody that they might have an issue or that something's wrong. If it's done in the right intention, then it's going to help make you better. And I, I would say to people, don't shy away. If you're trying to get into broadcasting, ask someone for critique that you trust. And let that person critique. And you know what? In the long haul, if you take it the right way, it's going to help you get better because it means you have a great realization of who you are. I love it. How, how can people see your work, John? So people can see my work on Fox Sports. Uh, I'm on Fox Sports 2 this Friday, 7 Eastern time for Seton Hall and Georgetown Women's Hoops. And on just about once a week, either Friday night or Sunday afternoons on Fox Sports 2. Uh, and then... Every week on Big East Shoot Around, I host a Big East Men's Basketball Show. My Twitter account, at John, J-O-H-N underscore Fanta, F as in Frank, A-N-T-A, rhymes with Santa, and at Big East, 
on Twitter at Big East MBB as well. You can see all the great work that our crew does and all the work that we do weekly to cover Big East hoops. And, and I cover a lot of college basketball all the way up to the national championship game this April in Atlanta. So uh, around the clock, a lot of college hoops, a lot of Cleveland sports and other big events going on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's that's where I'm mostly followed between the weekly show and then for Fox Sports uh, on television. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you so much for your incredible insight uh, and, and wisdom to kind of direct us in the right path to, to see that our dreams are capable of, of becoming true. And so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Kyle, thank you for having me. Great to join the grind and love what you're doing with this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you would like to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at TGS underscore podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram at TGS underscore network. If you want to look at our YouTube video with a lot more content, uh, go ahead and check that out. It's the Grind Sports Network on YouTube. And check that out. Give us a like and subscribe. Until next time, grind on.